Well, again, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us, whether you're here in person, whether you're joining us online. Thank you for being here. My name is Nick Mance. I have the privilege and the honor of being the pastor for Student Ministries. And before we even get going with our message, I just want to just again to say thank you to you as our church family. Um, The ways that you guys have walked with Elise and I over the past few months is um, I've been trying to come to terms with with being able to manage my mental health better. We just want to say thank you. it has been so encouraging to us to know that, that we are loved, prayed for, and walked with. And so we just want to say thank you for, for truly being our church family and for loving us so well. So thank you for all that you guys have done and the ways that you continue to advocate and support us. We are honestly so thankful to be a part of this family. This morning we are concluding our series that we are calling Live, Love, Lead. This is our sermon series that is based on our mission here at Hershey Free Church. We believe that a disciple is somebody who lives with Jesus loves like Jesus, and leads others to do the same. Now this morning, before we even get going, as we begin to think about what leading is, let me ask you a couple of different questions. First is this, how would you define the term leadership? If somebody were to ask you this morning, hey, how would you define this term leading or leadership? What would you say? Think about that for a moment. Just what, what comes to mind? Are there certain images, people, maybe, maybe there's like different, like, like, ideologies that you believe go with this. Let me ask you a second question then. What are the characteristics of a good leader? I want you to think about this because I think for some of us, we might have different answers. Some of us might go, Nick, you know, a good leader is a driver. It's somebody who sees the goal and they will get there no matter what, right? Or a visionary, somebody who can see the big picture and they're like, this is where we're going. We're gonna get there and I want you to come with. Maybe you're going, hey, you know, like a a good leader is somebody who can just make the hard decisions when it counts, right? They can just, this is it, this is what we're doing, right? Maybe you go, hey, a good leader is somebody who's empathetic, somebody who understands it and just walks with people well. Maybe you're going, hey, a good leader is somebody who's relational because nobody wants to follow a leader who doesn't care about me, right? So how would you define that? This morning, we're going to be talking a lot about leadership and how we as followers of Jesus are called to be leaders. Now, I recognize in even saying that, you know, the word lead or leadership or even discipleship has kind of become a four-letter word in church, right? It's one of those things like we're like, yes, we're all about leadership, but like the second somebody's like, hey, do you want to be a leader? We're like, no. Other people are more qualified, right? Or we got the people who have more training, more equipping. You have those natural leaders, not me right? And we kind of like, we kind of distance ourselves from that for some reason. And, and, and this morning, I just want you to kind of like think with me, like, what if you are a leader? What if God has innately designed each of us to be leaders in our own ways, in our own spheres of influence? What if God has designed us to step out in faith in that way? So what does this look like? Well, I want you to do a thought experiment with me real quick. I want everybody to pull out your phones. I know, it's okay. We can do this in church. Pull out your phones. If you're at home, I want you also to get your phones out. Everybody get your phones out, okay? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you, well, let's, let's take a quick poll before I even ask you to do this. How many of y'all are pet owners? Oh, that's good. How many of y'all either have a picture of your pet on your phone or somebody else's pet on your phone? You know, at the 9 o'clock service, I asked people, first raised their hand if it was their pet and I had like the other people raised. It was amazing how many people have pictures of pets not theirs. Little creepy, 
I don't know what y'all are doing, but that's up to you, okay? Um, but here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to go on who has a picture of a pet on their phone. I want you to pick the very best picture, even if it's the one of you guys in matching pajamas, okay? Even if you're at home, I want you guys, like if you're watching with your family, go ahead and pick out a picture, and then you guys are going to compare these here in a moment. If you don't have a picture on your phone, because maybe you don't have a pet, maybe this is a conversation you need to have with your parents, I don't know, okay? Um, if you don't have a picture, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Find one on Google. Literally search whatever you want. You can search for cute little corgis. That's my jam. That's totally fine, okay? You can search for ugliest cat, whatever you want to, okay? So find a picture. And if you're at home and there's nobody watching with you, here's what I'm going to ask you at home to do. I literally just want you to send that picture in a text message with no context to somebody and see what happens. Here's what I'm going to ask you all to do here in person. On the count of three, I want you to show the pictures to one another. And I want you guys just to go, oh, or ooh, depending on what the picture is, all right? So one, two, three, show the pictures. It's adorable. I hear all the aws. It's awesome. And if you're at home, you can show pictures to one another as well or send those random texts, whatever you want to do. You didn't know you were going to be doing this in church, right? You're like, I didn't know I was going to come see cute little cuddly pictures of animals in church today. Right? You never know at Hershey Free, especially when they let the student guy preach. All right, so here, here's why I'm asking you, okay? Um, I'm asking you this because I, I just want to kind of show you pictures of my pet. So this is Jade, okay? So this is our cat. I know it's adorable, right? She, clearly from the middle photo, like she is well-loved, right? You're like, whoa, man, she looks like a pillow. Yep, big old bedside pillow, right? There's a few more pictures. Um, she, her tongue's like almost always out, it's just odd. Um, she also loves to sit, we're old school, we play a GameCube, so she loves to sit on our GameCube. Um, but like, here's the thing, Jade was adopted by my wife Elise before we got married. Jade's been with us for about 10 years now. Um, and I will tell you something crazy. When we got married, okay, we are pretty sure that Jade thought I was another adopted cat. Like I came into the house and like the way she treats my wife, very different. She sees me, it's like, chew toy, right? That's just how I am. I'm the big guy who invaded her space. But when we first got married, I was like, you know what? I had dogs all growing up. I love dogs, love cats. I'm going to train my cat like a dog. You laugh, I succeeded. I got Jade to play fetch. I kid you not, we could throw her toy. She loves hair ties, we chew a hair tie. She would run after it, pick it up, come run back and drop it at our feet and wait for us to do it again. We could do this for like five minutes. It was crazy. I also taught her how to sit on command. I could just go, hey, sit, and she would sit. It was awesome. Greatest party trick in the history of party tricks. People come over, I was like, want to see a cat act like a dog? Check it out. There she goes. It was amazing. But here's what happens, as with, like, I, I think most people, is like, often life gets busy. And sometimes when life gets busy, certain things fall by the wayside. Her training fell by the wayside. And at this point, I'm convinced that my cat no longer has his training. In fact, she's trained me. Like, here's the thing. My cat has me on a schedule now. She knows when it's breakfast time. And if I don't do it quick enough, she tries to kill me going down the stairs. It's like, oh, here I go. And you're like, oh, dear Lord, why is there like an obstacle course on the stairs? Really unsafe, right? But like, she no longer plays fetch. I'll throw her toy. She will walk to the toy and fall over and look at me and go, you did it, pick it up, right? 
she no longer sits on command. The only time she sits is when I open up a, like, a can of tuna fish that I'm going to eat. She's like, you feeding? You feeding? And she'll sit and she'll look at me like, look, I did it. I'm like, but you never sit when I ask you to, it's just when I'm eating. Again, it tells you why she's so well-loved, right? Um, but here's my point in this, because it's not just I want to tell you like cute stories about my cat. I could do that for all day. But here's the reason I tell you this. I believe that is how we are. That at times we let our training fall by the wayside and we can become apathetic too. You see, as we've been talking about our, our mission here at Hershey Free with the live, love, lead. You see, the only way we can get to leading others is if we are embodying the first two parts of that message. We first have to live with Jesus. And then we have to love like Jesus in order to lead others to do the same. If we are not focusing on our, 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 the internal part of our relationship with Jesus, how can we expect to represent it outwardly? So in order for us to lead well, we need to be people who first live with Jesus, love like Jesus, then we lead others to do the same. So we need to focus on what Pastor George had talked about the past two weeks to make sure that we, we are here in our hearts, in our souls, in our deepest parts of our being, that we are on track with Jesus so that we can lead outwardly. But again, I think when I say leadership, I think, I think we kind of like get this, this picture in our mind of what it should be. And for many of us, it probably keeps us from actually doing that. It keeps us from stepping out in faith and being the leaders that God has called us to be. But here's the thing, when we talk about leadership, I want you to understand what we're saying. I'm not telling you that I want you to go and lead a ministry. If that's your, if that's your jam, please, please do that, okay? I'm not telling you that I'm gonna come down and like high five you and be like, all right, Stover, you're up, come on, you're preaching now. Like that's not what I'm gonna do, okay? I'm not sitting here going, hey, like if you're a leader, you run the church, right? That's not what I'm asking. When we say leadership, what we're talking about is doing life with people. It's about leading people by influencing them because of what Jesus has done in our lives. It's about doing discipleship with them. It's about living out this relationship with people and caring about them enough that we can say, who, who you are and whose you are matters to me. And I want to share life with you. And that's exactly what Jesus did with his disciples. Jesus shared life with them. He walked with them. He cared about them. He spent time in their homes. He had meals with them. That's what discipleship is. It's about pointing people to Jesus in all moments of your life. It's about helping us to realize that, that, that walking with Jesus looks radically different than what this world tells us. So this morning as we talk about leadership, I want to ask two questions. And the first question is this, is why should we lead? Why should we lead? And what I want to do is I want to pick up in the Gospel of John, beginning in John 17. We're going to pick up in the last few verses. This is a prayer that Jesus has been praying for different groups of people. And beginning in verse 20, Jesus is now praying for us. He's praying for everybody who comes into his family. And look at what he says here. Beginning in verse 20, he says, My prayer is not for them alone. God, I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. 
Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory, God, that you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus is now transitioned. He's like, hey, I'm going to pray for everybody now. And I believe within this prayer, Jesus gives us this understanding of why we should lead. He gives us the, these insights onto why we are called to lead. And the first reason I believe that Jesus gives us is this. God calls us to lead. God calls us to point others to him. Now, in this passage, beginning in verse 20, Jesus actually says, he goes, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. Jesus is already laying this out. He's like, because you are talking about me, because you are living out this faith, this reality, you now are impacting other people to follow me. It's the great commission lived out. If you go to Matthew 28, Jesus is like, here, you are my disciples. Go and make disciples. And I love the fact that Jesus doesn't give like a disclaimer there. Do you notice that? Like if you read through Matthew 28, if you read through John 17, Jesus doesn't go, hey, this is only for the extroverts. Like he doesn't go, hey, this is only for the people who can't shut up, Peter, Nick, um, right? He doesn't go, hey, this is only for like the type A personalities, the Enneagram 8s, right? That's not what he says. What he says, he goes, if you follow me, you are called to lead, Period. As a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, God calls us to live missionally. God is telling us that because of the inward change that has happened, the natural progression is outward impact on the world around us. We are called by God to lead. But not only that, did you know that by leading, we actually bring unity to the body of Christ? Like good leaders should actually make this body unified. I think it's crazy because sometimes, like, we don't really see that. In fact, we often see what disunity does to the body of Christ. We see what, what, what leaders who, who are about making a platform for themselves, what leaders who are all about, like, their personal brand, what happens when they lead. Churches crumble. But good leaders, good leaders should actually be fostering unity within the body of Christ. When people see this, this diverse group of people, they should go, yeah, there are differences, but man, are they for one another. They are for the gospel. We can see that they are unified together on mission. Leaders, all of us as disciples and disciple makers, we should be bringing unity to this body rather than causing fractures. The next reason I believe that we should lead is this, is that it gives God glory. I don't know about you, and maybe this makes me a horrible Christian, I don't know. But like for me, like I don't often walk around throughout my day going, I wonder if me eating this chocolate bar gives God glory, right? I do that a lot. I work with students, I always have candy. Um, like, or I, I often don't go, man, I wonder if me driving 20 miles over the speed limit is giving God glory. 
322, we all know, right? And it's like, I mean, that's not usually how I think. But what if we did? What if we did? What if we stopped for a moment and we said, is what I am doing giving God glory? Is how I'm leading, is how I'm guiding people, is how I'm doing my job, doing my school, is that giving God glory? Imagine, imagine if we were people who, who were reaching out to others and we were saying, hey, we're unified. And then everything we did was not about us, but about God. Like all of a sudden, that, that opens up a whole new perspective to be living. It gives us a whole new way to reach people. Because we're saying it's not about me, it's about he. It's about God and what he has done. And so we give God the glory. But the next point is this, is it allows the world to see Jesus through his people. We have such an amazing privilege that the God of the universe, the God who literally designed everything around us, that he brings us on mission with him. I don't know about you, but again, like, I often don't think about that. I kind of just think, oh, you know, I'm just a Christian. I'm living out my life. But like God has given you this privilege, this permission. He's inviting you into this journey. He's going, I want you to do this with me. What an honor that the Alpha and the Omega has said, no, I want to partner with you. He goes, I want you to lead others in this. I want you to show people what it looks like to follow me. So why should we lead? Because, it, because God calls us to. It brings unity and it gives God glory, but also because it allows the world to see Jesus through how we live it out. You see, because leadership is all about influencing others. It's all about representing Jesus. It's all about showing people the power that the risen Lord has in our lives, what he can do. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean it has to be polished. Doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out and praise God for that. It just means that you get to do life with one another. You get to guide them and help them to grow and to shape them into who God has called them to be. So we asked the question, why? Now I want to pose the question, how? Because I, I believe, like, even in the beginning of asking you to think through just a little bit of, like, how would you, like, define leadership? How would you define the character qualities of a leader? I believe that, yes, many of us will be very different leaders, and that is 100% okay. But I believe there are some inherent qualities that each of us as leaders, as disciples of Jesus, should be manifesting. There are qualities we should all represent. And the first is this, it's humility. Again, I, I think we, are, we can, you can literally go online, you can Google church leaders who failed and have a really discouraging afternoon. And you will see countless stories of these ministers, these leaders, these pastors who've stood up and they've made the platform about themselves and you've just watched it fall. And it's gut-wrenching the damage that is done in the name of Jesus. But I believe a good leader leads out of humility. And humility isn't this thing about going, oh, I'm just, I'm worthless, let me just like flail myself and no, oh, woe is me. No. Humility is realizing that you are nothing greater than the person standing next to you. Humility is understanding that everybody needs to know about the Savior. 
And it's going, I'm not going to make it about me. I'm going to make it about Jesus and you right now. Because that's what matters is the relationship that you have with the Savior. That's humility. In fact, if we jump into the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather... In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. If you don't know who Paul is, Paul is arguably one of the greatest missionaries who's ever set foot on this earth. But prior to that, Paul's name was Saul. And Saul was a Pharisee. In fact, the way people referred to him, he was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was the guy. Everybody and anybody wanted to model their life after him. And he knew it. He had it all. And in a moment, he gave it up for everything to know Jesus. Because Jesus had a radical interaction with him one day. And all of a sudden, Saul was like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. I need to live differently. And it changed his heart. He went from being the man to the one who was sought after to be persecuted and killed. He went from having everything to literally running from town to town because people were trying to kill him. And he goes... I don't care about everything else. I don't need the platform. I just need people to know Jesus. That's it. And so Paul's life was radically changed. And now he, this guy who had it all, is going, look, it doesn't mean diddly squat. All that matters is Jesus. Love others. Point them to him. How else do we lead? We lead in love. I believe as followers of Jesus who are designed by God to do life with one another, that we are to love people, to be radically different. Like honestly, Jesus talks about this a few chapters earlier in John 13. He says this, a new command I give to you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We live in in a world that knows the church more by what we're against rather than who we are for. And that's sad. As disciples of Jesus, people should know who we are because of how we love people, because of the change that God did in our lives, right? We know that if we live with Jesus, that radically changes us, which compels us then to love others. And then we want to lead them into knowing who Jesus is. I think for some of us here today, we're going, Nick, that, that's, that's great. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that, but there are certain people that are really, really hard for me to, to love. I get that. I get that. I think in our humanity, we look at it and we go, I can't love this person because of you fill in the blank. And we probably don't even want to say that out loud, right? Because it sounds bad and we're like, well, that's not Christian. Hmm. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think if we search our heart of hearts, we acknowledge that that's probably true. That there are people that are either difficult to love or we don't love. And we're like, Nick, I can't do it. And you know what I would tell you is you're right. You can't do it. But again, if we go back to our mission of living with Jesus, if we believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and we allow for him to have full control of our life, we are told in Scripture that the Spirit of God indwells us, that the very nature of God, the very Spirit of God has taken control of our lives. And here's the thing, tap into that love and let that be the love that transforms because it transformed you enough to get you to that point. Let that love transform how you can impact others then. 
You see, we cannot love of ourselves. That's why God goes, I've given you my spirit. Now love them. We so often hesitate to realize that God's spirit resides in us, that he's given us the same power and authority that he had on earth to, to captivate people and move them towards the kingdom of heaven. If we just tap into that power. We are called to be leaders who lead in humility and lead in love, but we are also called to be leaders who lead in the context of relationships. And this is where I think the rubber meets the road because we hear leadership and we go, no, not for me. Do you know you can lead one person at a time? Really, that's okay? In fact, I would highly encourage that. But leading in the context of relationships means you do life with one another. And I love, I love how Jesus models this. If you go throughout like the Gospels, do you notice what Jesus does? He chooses 12 kind of weird dudes. And he's like, hey, let's hang out together all the time. Right? And he like randomly invites himself over to their family's home for food. Love that aspect. Like he's like, hey, Peter, your mom's there? Oh, she's a little bit sick. I'll heal her and then we can eat dinner. Let's do it. Right? He's like, I got this. Right? Or like what he does is he takes these guys, he's like, hey, let's go for a trip. Let's walk around. He's like, oh, do you see this fig tree? Let me tell you about how this is like the kingdom of heaven. And you're like, cool, okay, yeah, good, good story, right? Or he's like, hey, let's walk through this wheat field. And like, let's, oh, hey, look, a mustard seed. Let me tell you a story about a mustard seed. They go fishing one day and he's like, oh, you caught a fish and it has something in its mouth. Let's talk about this, right? And then we'll eat. Right? That's what, that's what doing life with somebody is. That's what discipleship looks like. It's going, hey, let's live life together and learn how Jesus impacts our lives in all moments. I mean, how cool would it be if we said, hey, you know, I can, I can do that with one person. I can invite them over for food. I can, we can go grocery shopping together because you always need somebody to help you pick out good produce, Right? It's like, hey, I, I, could, I could step up and lead one person in this. We could fellowship. We could do life. We could care about one another. I could ask how Jesus is, is changing their lives. I can try to answer their questions, and we can go to Pastor George when we don't know, right? We can do that. A good leader leads in the context of relationships, but they also lead with integrity. You see, again, going back to, to John 17, verse 20, and going back to the Great Commission in Matthew 28, God doesn't give us an option. He gives us a command. He says, if you are my disciples, you will go and make disciples. And part of us being followers of Jesus means that we have to honor that. It means we have to recognize that God gave us that command, that he's going, this is who you are because of whose you are. Therefore, we have an obligation. We have a, 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 a requirement to follow that. And so we need to be people who replicate. We need to be people who lead this out, who love like Jesus and lead others to do the same. We need to be leaders who lead with integrity, that when we mess up, we admit it. We need to be leaders who lead with integrity, that we honor what God has called us to, even when the world says different. We have to lead as leaders who are modeling their lives after Jesus. So we lead with integrity. But this last point, I think, is probably one of the hardest things. As leaders, that means that as we walk with people, you allow for them to walk on their own. And you allow for them to stumble. And for the parents here today, this is probably really hard because what I'm telling you is to let your kids fail. And I'm telling you to let yourself fail. And that's probably terrifying. 
But here's the kicker. A good leader doesn't just go, hey, walk and watch them fall. The good leader goes, come on, come on, I've got you. And they pick them back up, they brush them off, and they say, come on, let's keep going. Let's keep walking. Let's keep doing this together. Because sometimes the way that we learn is by falling. It is by failure. In fact, in the Gospels, right before Jesus is about to be crucified, he tells all of his disciples, he goes, hey, this is going to happen, and you guys are all going to abandon me. And foot and mouth Peter steps up and goes, never, Jesus, never, no, no, with you to the end. We've got two swords, we're ready to go, right? And Jesus looks at him, he goes, Peter, before the night's done, you will in fact deny me three times. And I think we can get really critical of Peter really fast, because <laughs> we're like, oh man, if I, if I was there, I would have only done it twice. You still denied Jesus twice. Like, not okay, right? And he's like, we, we kind of get critical of Peter. We're like, oh, you're stupid, man. Like, literally, the Son of God told you what you're going to do. If that's not going to happen, then we have lost everything, right? And it's like, oh, man. And we get really critical. And what happens is that Peter does just that. Three different moments, three different people come to him and go, oh, don't you know, Jesus, you're one of his boys. He's like, nope, not me, right? And it devastates him when he realizes, oh, crap. I've literally denied Christ three times. And what happens is we're told that he actually runs out of the courtyard sobbing. I don't think we often think about how Peter felt when Jesus came back from the dead. Could you think about that? This is a dude who denied the Savior, who defeated death, not once, not twice, but he denied him three times. And now Jesus is hanging out with him. And it's really interesting if you read some of those post-resurrection accounts, right? Peter's not talking as much anymore, right? He's kind of shut up. Like, I picture Peter kind of like this guy in the back now, like not making eye contact with Jesus, just really humiliated and ashamed. But then we read this in John 21. Check this out. They had just finished eating when Jesus said to Simon Peter, hey, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Simon said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, okay, feed my lambs. Jesus asked him again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And so Jesus said, feed my sheep. I think sometimes we can read this and we're like, wow, is this Jesus just kind of like digging the knife in a little bit and going, mm, you denied me three times, so I'm going to ask you three times. I don't believe that's the case at all. I think what Jesus is doing in this moment is restoring Peter three times. Because he says, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, God, of course. He goes, hey, feed my lambs. Simon, do you love me? Jesus, of course I do. He goes, take care of my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. What he is doing is he's recognizing that Peter is down in the dumps, that he is broken and humiliated, and he's going, Peter, come on, I've got you. Come on, man. It was three times. You're still good. Get back up, remember your mission, and fulfill it. Because if our mission is to make disciples, that is exactly what feeding the sheep and taking care of them is all about. 
And so what Jesus is doing in this moment is he's not allowing the failure to define Peter. He's letting the failure refine him, and he's commissioning him to go and take the world by storm for the kingdom of heaven. As leaders, we need to be willing to allow those that we are caring for, those that we are shepherding and discipling, to fail, but to walk with them, build them back up, and help them strive to meet the mission that God has called us to. But the question still remains, how do we do this? How do we actually put this into action? I want to give you just some, some tangible steps this morning. And the first way I want to do that is by asking you three questions. Where has God placed you to lead? I mean, think about it. Where has God uniquely placed you in this moment to be leading? Is it in your home? Is it in your schools? Is that work? Your neighborhood? Is it in church? Where could that be? Where has God uniquely placed you to lead? But then the second question answers part of the first is what's keeping you from doing so? I think for many of us, we would probably go maybe lack of equipping. Like I don't, I don't have the knowledge. I don't know what to do. Maybe we're going, I'm, I'm honestly just kind of scared by this, Nick. Like this is a bit overwhelming to think of doing this and, and doing it well. Maybe it's because we've never thought of ourselves as a leader before. Where has God called you to lead? What is keeping you from leading? And then the last question is this. Who has led you? Who is leading you? And who am I leading? Because here's the thing. I am a a, a huge proponent that I don't think we ever come to full culmination on this side of eternity. Which means we should be lifelong learners. Which means we should have people pouring into us all throughout our life, no matter our age or where we're at. Who has led you? Who is currently leading you? And then the action step there is, where should you be leading somebody else? How can you be doing that? So I asked you a question just now about, hey, who has led you? And I'm going to ask you to take an action step now. I want everybody to pull their phones back out again. We started with phones out. We're going to end with phones out. That's how we do things at church now. We're techie-techie. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do, okay? I think one of the most tangible things that we can do as an action step is to thank somebody who has led you. So I'm going to ask you that question again. Who has led you? And maybe it's a name or a face that's popping up. I want you right now, I'm going to literally give you 15 to 30 seconds to literally text that person and tell them thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for speaking into my life. Thank you for being there when I was at my, my darkest place. Thank you for caring enough about me to do life with me. And maybe you're here going, I don't know if I have that person's number. Okay, you get a, you get a sidebar. When you get home, jump on the Facebook and message that and say, hey, I didn't have your phone number. I need to get that now. I want to say thank you. Or there's this cool thing called a phone book still. You can find it like that and you can find their name in there. Or just literally Google it and you can find a way to contact them. And if you contact the wrong John Smith, hey, maybe you set up a cool way to talk to them about Jesus. I don't know, right? But like, thank somebody who has led you. The more I thought about this, the more I thought about one dude, and his name was Todd. Todd was my small group leader. My youth group didn't do small groups my whole time. They started more so in my junior year. And Todd said, ooh, 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 put me with junior boys. Crazy man. Crazy man, right? And he goes, I will do this. 
Todd didn't know what to do half the time, but I can tell you what Todd did well. Todd loved Jesus and he loved us. And he cared about us. And what Todd would do is he did exactly what Jesus did. He's like, hey guys, come on over to my house. Todd's wife was Filipino and they cooked Filipino food all the time. As a like suburban white kid from New Jersey, my world was blown away. It was amazing. All this amazing food that we got to have. And I'm going, this is awesome. And he goes, hey, he goes, let's, let's talk about Jesus a little bit while we're eating. I will never forget, Todd was the first person to take me over into Philly to Chinatown. And he's going, hey, like, we need to talk to people about Jesus all over the world. He goes, and we have a great opportunity right in our backyard. Todd was a guy that he did life with us for multiple years, and Todd stayed in contact with me for many, many years after the fact. In fact, my sophomore year of college, Todd reached out to me. He goes, hey, man, he goes, I have some cool, cool news to share with you. I'm going to be a dad. He goes, I want you to be my daughter's godfather. I was 21 years old. I had no idea what this guy was asking me to do. But he goes, I want you to be a part of her life because you're a part of mine. And I want to model this well. Who is somebody who has led you? Like Todd led me. The cool thing is Todd and I still talk. He's got two little girls now. I can't say little because the ones in high school, it's terrifying. Um, but who is someone who has led you? Tell them thank you. The next action step is this, is to literally take a step of faith and sign up to lead somewhere in the church. In the pews in front of you and online, we also have this. It's called our Connect Card. And there's an option for you at the bottom that says, I'd like info about serving. Let me encourage you, if you're not serving somewhere in our church, let me encourage you to jump in. And let me also say this, we will never throw you in unprepared. Because I think that can be a fear of like, I could maybe do something with students. Sweet, be a small group leader. We will train you, we will equip you, and I can say that for all the ministries in our church. You will never be thrown out there on your own. You will always be trained and equipped, and we will always have people walking with you because we believe in this discipleship leadership model. So where can you serve? And the other thing I would encourage you to do is to actually ask someone to lead you. If there is somebody that you know and you are not being led and you're going, man, I would love for that person to just walk with me, to help me know more about how I should be living for Jesus, to help me to grow as an individual and as a Christ follower, ask them. What a blessing that would be for that person to know that you think of them in that way and that you were saying, hey, I want to share life with you. I want to leave you with a story this morning. I want to show you two pictures. The guy on the left, that's Matt. It's Matt Jones, and the guy on the right is Nathan Kerman. Matt Jones signed up to start serving in our student ministry about two and a half, three years ago because he saw his son coming to CORE, and he goes, something's different about my kid, and I want to know more about it. And he comes up to me and he goes, I don't know how to do this, but I'm willing to try. I said, that's all I can ask. He goes, I'm willing. He goes, I might not know all the things. He goes, but man, I can love these boys and I can walk with them. I said, that's what I ask. Matt jumped in and he served with those boys for two and a half, three years. And I saw Matt at Crew. Crew was one of my first things after I stepped back in from my, my mental health leave of absence. Matt was serving with the fourth and the fifth graders, and he comes running up to me, and he goes, oh, it's so good to see you. He goes, I've missed this. I was like, you and me talking? Me too. He goes, no, <laughs> serving. He goes, I'm doing discipleship again. Core had ended like three weeks prior, and the dude was already chomping at the bit for it, right? He goes, Nick, he goes, 
I want to do it from top to bottom. I said, I don't know what that means. He goes, I want to start with sixth grade and give you seven more years because I've seen the impact of discipleship on students. Nathan, Nathan Confair was one of Matt's boys. This summer, Nathan texted me, he goes, hey, Nick, he goes, um, I've seen the impact of leaders in my life and how they've walked with me. I want to do that for others. Can I serve in student ministries too? The cool story is that now Matt and Nathan will both be serving in our middle school program this fall in two different small groups because they've seen what leading others to do the same looks like. They've realized it's not having all the answers, it's not knowing all the things. It's about living with Jesus, loving like Jesus, and showing others how to do that. Where are you leading today? Where has God uniquely placed you to step out in faith? And who could you lead? And who could you ask to lead you? Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for this morning that we can just gather together, that we can spend time just digging into your word, Father. I pray for all my friends, my brothers and my sisters who are represented here in the building, who are watching online. Father, I just pray that you help us to, to be bold, to realize that you have not called a certain type of individual. You've called all of us to be leaders. May we step out in faith and seek to serve you as we serve others. Father, may our, our, our mission of living with Jesus, loving like Jesus, and leading others to do the same, may that just radically transform how we engage with this world. Father, empower us only through your spirit because that's what we need to tap into. And may through your spirit, Father, may we be ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for calling us as broken as we are. Thank you for picking us up when we fall. And may we model that in our daily lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. I just want to say again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you would like to talk more, if you would like to have somebody pray with you, we will have members of our prayer team up here at the front. They're happy to talk with you, to pray with you about whatever may happen. We also have an option online for that as well where you can submit a prayer request to have somebody pray with you as well. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a great rest of your week. To all the students, we are praying for you guys. As many of you have started school, many of you are, are starting school this week. We are for you and we love you and we're praying for you guys. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next Sunday.